thank you for this day. And Father, we thank you for your healing grace and mercy that you've given to us in the church. Father, we can, by your word, declare our bodies to be healed, to live in divine health all the days of our life. Father, free from sickness and disease, aches and pains, maladies, Father, and any shortcoming of our physical bodies. And Father, we thank you that we can live lives free uh, all the days of our lives until we breathe our last breath and appear before you, Father. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. I, I was reading something about um, uh, long life, you know, just a news article. It wasn't uh, a scriptural thing. It was just a news article about, you know, there's always people trying to pursue how to live long lives, right? And, of course, it's one of those things that scientists are still baffled by that. You know, why do we die? And all the billionaires are trying to figure out how to live forever, you know. And uh, they're, they're probably going to be the saddest people because I wouldn't care to live forever. But it doesn't matter. I've got the Lord here and I'll have the Lord on the other side of death either. Also, they're um, trying to delay the inevitable. And so, um, and the Lord won't be impressed with their billions of dollars when they get to heaven, though. So, uh, but there was a point, just a kind of a, a, a minor point there. It's funny because uh, they, never seem to, they never seem to recognize how many times that uh, scientists find some limit or something, and, and the Bible spoke about it many, you know, thousands of years ago. For example, in Leviticus 17, it says that life of the flesh is in the blood, and so that the, the, the blood of humans is, has got a lot more impact on our lives than scientists uh, had realized for centuries until really even in our modern times, they finally realized that, you know, they can look in the blood and find traces of cancer and find traces of, of all kinds of things, and so it uh, they can look at uh, a blood sample and find out all kinds of information about you, uh, good and bad, uh, you know, about your genes, your DNA, um, uh, and uh, what your hereditary situation looks like from a physical standpoint. Uh, and uh, they're just now figuring some of those things out and still uh, realize there's more to figure out. Uh, but one of the things they said was, uh, uh, <clears throat> we don't know why, but people never live past 120 years old. Uh, that's the number, and they said we had, there was one uh, French woman uh, who lived to be 122 years old, but I read an article about her not long ago, too, that said, pretty sure that it was a fake that she, uh, it was actually her daughter that, uh, you know, because once you get past a certain age, you all look the same anyway, right? And so, uh, daughter, uh, mom, whatever, you all look the same, uh, and, um, uh, and so pretty, they, they're pretty sure it was her, uh, actually her daughter, who didn't actually live to be 120 years old. Because, you know, you, once, you get to, once you get pretty old, you get to be pretty famous, right? Because most people, you know, I think the average lifespan in America right now is about 78 years old. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, about 40 years longer than, you know, say 60 or 70 years ago, uh, maybe up to 100 years ago, primarily because of uh, the reduction in childhood uh, or, or infant mortality and then all of the uh, miracle drugs, you know, just simple things like... Uh, um, penicillin was the first antibiotic they developed, right? And that was around the 50s or so. Uh, and it probably saved millions of people's lives, caused them to live, you know, decades longer from dying from a simple infection that today is not even an issue. You know, we just take a couple pills and we're fine in a day or two. Uh, but it was interesting that, that he said, we don't know why we don't live past 120. And yet it right there in, Galatians, in, in Genesis chapter 6, it says God puts a limit to the lifespan of man to be 120 years old. Well, he wrote that thousands of years ago. And we're just now really getting to where we can approach that uh, as a, as a hu uh, human race because of our advances in science, but we still can't figure out how to get past that limit. Uh, and will they ever figure out how to get past the limit? I don't know. You know, I don't really know if they will or not. Uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, maybe they can, maybe they can't. Uh, but uh, except for extraordinary circumstances, that's the limit, you know, that uh, nobody's going to live past that age. And, it, and the reason why is because the Lord put a limit on that, uh, because... Uh, men left to his devices will all be always become evil, uh, and uh, you get somebody who evil who's evil and has this the ability to live for hundreds of years and think of more evil ways to hurt people. Uh, then the Lord needs to limit that, right? Uh, and so, uh, so that and that's the way it is right now. And of course, someday we will live forever, and we will get a body that's no longer subject to death. Uh, but um, but it's interesting how how scientists are really kind of wandering out in, in the dark, you know. Uh, thinking, you know, well, we observe this, but we don't know why this is so. Well, it's so because the Lord said it was so. Uh, and, um, and so you really can't believe God for anything more than 120. 
But, you know, even um, my observation has been that, that most of the great men and women of God that I've followed over the years, I was reading after somebody again today, um, uh, let's see, it was A.B. Simpson, uh, and then, um, uh, let's see, there's some other folks, there were two that was involved in healing, uh, in a healing ministry, and, and, and uh, you know, of course, there was a bunch that died early because of sin, but those who lived their full life, you know, as far as, you know, they weren't in, involved in sin, um, tend to live in the 80s. Uh, for some reason, that 80s, mid-80s was about the age. Smith Wigglesworth, Lester Summerall, Brother Hagen, um, different folks like that all lived to be in their 80s. Now, Oral Roberts lived to be in his 90s. Um, but most of those great uh, men and women of faith lived to be in their 80s, you know, and then, and then passed. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, part of that is uh, their desire to go home too, right? Because after a while... You're in the ministry, and uh, you know the more that the more closely you walk with the Lord, the more you desire to see Him. Uh, and sometimes, you know, when you're comparing all the annoyances that you have to deal with in this natural life of people, and you know, uh, people would say the worst things about all these great men and women of God. Or you could go home to be with the Lord in, in the glory of His presence. That would not be a very difficult choice to make sometimes, right? And so I think I think part of it too is the longing to see the Lord that uh, they realized they could just check out when, uh, when it was their time to go and, and go home to be with the Lord instead of believing God, you know, for another 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, so on. And so, uh, so that, but that's, you know, that's just kind of observation there from the Word of God. And, and um, none of the disciples that we know of, uh, I think John was the longest-lived disciple, and he lived uh, around uh, 90 years old or something like that. He was a long-lived disciple most of the other ones were killed right so he was the only one who died of natural causes not because uh they didn't try to kill him they tried to kill him many times right they boiled him in oil you know that didn't kill him and, and so they finally they, they they exiled him to the island isle of patmos there where he wrote the book of revelation and, and um and then of course sometime later on he died of natural causes uh and so um uh so uh, but he didn't live even to be 100 years old. I think maybe he's right around 100 years old, but uh, he didn't live uh, uh, beyond that. And that for that time, to live that long was, was nearly a miracle all by itself, right? Because there were no medicines. There was no, you know, uh, you think about all the advances in, in water treatment and, and uh, sewage treatment and, you know, things like that that we just take for granted that has removed a, a lot of sickness and disease just from the natural standpoint from our existence. Uh, and, you know, chlorine, uh, you know, and, I mean, you can argue about all those things, but, you know, they have some good effects on, on people over the years. Uh, and the better uh, treatment of, of uh, food and processing and all that stuff and refrigeration and, um, uh, and um, you know, all of those things, you know, uh, the majority of those things have helped us live long, long lives free of sickness and disease. Um, uh, and so they didn't have any of that, of course back in the day, right, you know, eat something and it'd be spoiled and, well, it's not that spoiled and so eat it anyway, right, and so, uh, you know, nowadays we, uh, if it's an expiration date, you throw it away the, the day of, right, and even though that's not always necessar necessary, but, um, uh, and so, I do have a limit, though, if it's like three years past expiration date, I assume it's probably bad, you know, uh, and so, um, but, um, but, you know, sometimes you can just scrape off all the mold and eat the rest of it under there, right, and so, uh, but um, you do whatever you want to do on that. It's fine, right? So, so we're here in, um, uh, in this chapter. Uh, I think it's the last chapter of, of our first book uh, with Dr. Yeomans, and um, uh, she's talking about the ministry of Jesus and how he was a teacher, preacher, and a healer, right? So, and that was the order of, of, uh, uh, of his ministry, right? So he, if it was the children of Israel, he would tend to, to preach to them, you know, but uh, if they had not... Uh, maybe they backslid from their Jewish heritage. He would preach to them, uh, but then he, he would heal everybody, right? Uh, he'd heal the Jew, he'd heal the, the, uh, the backslidden Jews. He would heal the Gentiles if they, if they wanted to have faith in him, right? Uh, and we have many examples of that. And so, but that was his, his ministry. And, and really, for the church, that's really the same thing as the church, right? We as a church should be teaching, preaching, and healing. And we should be... Uh, following the example of the Lord Jesus, and the church itself primarily needs teaching. Uh, the lost primarily needs preaching, uh, and then everybody needs healing, don't they? 
Um, and so, but if we teach the church right, the church can obtain healing by faith. And if we preach to the, to the uh, world correctly, they will be inspired to receive healing, right? Uh, and, so, and so all of it can work together. And the Lord has no problem with healing the church, you know, supernaturally at all. Uh, and it's glad to do it many times. And so, um, uh, let's see. So we got here to, um, um, we talked about uh, staying with the word. And of course, uh, that, that uh, subject comes, comes around many times. But let's open up our Bibles to the uh, book of Matthew chapter 8. And so uh, she goes through uh, Matthew chapter 8 kind of as a summary there. And, you know, Matthew chapter 8 is a good chapter where uh, the writer had just included several uh, healings in, in uh, this particular uh, chapter here. And so it's a good, uh, a good summary chapter to look at the ministry of Jesus. Uh, and it's so it, she starts out here in the very beginning of the chapter. Let's start in verse 1. It says, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Um, and, um, you know, there, there were some times when there were multitudes followed him, but then there was great multitudes. And, you know, sometimes we saw there was uh, 5,000 uh, men, right, 4,000 men. Uh, and that was just the men, right, because women and children were obviously not important enough to count them, right? Uh, and so, uh, but it could have been three times that many, right? If you just had, uh, you know, one wife and one child, well, that's 15,000 people, right? Uh, and uh, uh, it would not be unusual for them to have many uh, children, right, uh, along with their spouses. And so uh, there could have been easily 10, 15, 20,000 people in some of those meetings there. Uh, and so these were large crowds that gathered together. Uh, and why, why did they gather together uh, around Jesus? Well, primarily because of the miracles that he did. Uh, he was obviously the best teacher that there ever was, but there were other teachers that had been on the earth before Jesus, and, and there was never those great multitudes that followed him. Uh, and so it was really because of these, these great uh, 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 miracles that he went about doing. And that should tell us something about the church that, you know, the church as a whole really should pick up our game as far as allowing the miracles of the Lord to be in operation, right? Uh, because we need uh, the world to be in the church in the sense that they need to hear the gospel, they need to get saved, they need to establish their eternal destiny with the Lord Jesus. Uh, and there's no easier way to do that than to, uh, to heal the sick, right? Uh, and so we should be following the example of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and, of course, the, the good thing is we as Christians all have been given the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But part of the gospel is uh, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover because he included that in the preaching of the gospel, right? Uh, and so... Uh, all of us as Christians have the ability and have the right and the privilege to pray for the sick by laying hands on them and to, uh, uh, and to impart healing into their bodies because that's part of the gospel. That's part of the good news, right? The Lord had come to save you, but he's also come to heal you. Uh, and so, uh, so the great multitudes came and said, Behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Uh, and so just as, a, as an aside... You know, there's a whole chapter in Leviticus 13 and Leviticus 14 that talks a whole lot about here's what's supposed to happen uh, when a leper gets cleansed. So if a leper gets cleansed, they were supposed to remember one time the Lord uh, said, go show yourself to the priests, right, and offer a sacrifice. Uh, and well, the reason why Jesus told them to do that was because that was the law, right? The Levitical law back in, in the book of Leviticus said if a, if a leper is healed, then uh, or cleansed, they were supposed to get uh, con confirmation of that from the priest. And the priest was supposed to declare that they are, they are clean from leprosy. And that allowed them to reintegrate into society because before that, they were supposed to separate themselves from society and declare unclean, unclean if they were in the presence of anybody nearby. Uh, and before they could rejoin the, the general society, they had to be confirmed uh, from the priest that they were clean. Uh, now, of course, this guy didn't do that, right? He just said, hey, Jesus, how you doing, right? Because there was a great multitude. So he didn't, he didn't wait till Jesus was by himself. He just went up to Jesus right there among the great multitudes and said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. So clearly the man had heard of something of Jesus, right? Clearly he had heard that Jesus could do this, uh, but he, he was not in the same class as, say, the centurion, right? The, the, who said, Lord, speak the word only, and my servant shall be, uh, shall be healed, right? Uh, uh, well, he wasn't in that class, right? He wasn't in the same class as the woman 
with the issue of blood. Said, if I just but touch his garments, I shall be, uh, I shall be uh, healed. Uh, so he wasn't in, he wasn't in the great faith class, but uh, he was in a class that was willing to come to Jesus. Right. So there were many people. Uh, in, in, in fact, in this particular case, there. It says there were great multitudes that followed him. But you go down to verse five, and it says he entered into Capernaum. So there's no there's no evidence in this particular story where anybody in this great multitude was healed other than this leper. So he was the only one who asked. Now, you know, a lot of times uh, if there uh, there was an issue when when the healing revival was on, where a lot of people would come not for healing, but to be observers, right, to to see all the fireworks and to see all the excitement of, of people getting healed. They weren't there to obtain anything, they were there just to observe, right? And, 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 to, uh, uh, and to watch all the exciting healings go on. And, you know, uh, that, that's kind of a, 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 a cautionary tale of you got to be careful about um, turning healing services into a circus, right? Uh, we're not here to perform. We're not here to entertain. Uh, and if people are coming with, with that kind of carnal attitude, you know, that can shut down the spirit of God because they're here and, and they want to be entertained by the Lord. Well, he's not a trained monkey, right? It's not his job to, to entertain us. And so uh, that can, on occasion, if people's hearts are not right, you know, the, the spirit of God will not move at all in a situation like that. Uh, so we don't know what was going on in this particular case, but only this uh, one man uh, even approached Jesus. But he clearly didn't know Jesus because he said, if you will, you can make me whole. Uh, and so Jesus, of course, it says in verse three, put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou cleansed. And immediately his leprosy w w was cleansed. Uh, and then he said, uh, Jesus said unto him, see, thou tell no man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for testimony unto them. And so that was a reference to the Leviticus chapter 14. Uh, now, Jesus said that because at this point in time, he's still operating under the law right he has not fulfilled the law entirely because he hadn't gone to the cross so the law was still in effect for the nation of israel so he was just telling them now there was no nobody was told to do that in the book of acts right but only here in the gospels were they told to do that because the law was still in effect and and so jesus wasn't trying to to violate the law and uh, in fact uh, who inspired moses to write leviticus 14 well, the Lord did, right? And specifically, it was Jesus. I believe it was Jesus himself that inspired Moses to write uh, the book of Leviticus. Uh, and so he's not going to violate his own word there uh, because uh, for the benefit of the leper, he needed to go and get a uh, confirmation from the priest and be declared clean so that he could legally enter back into the Jewish society. Uh, we don't have any laws like that, that if you're a leper, you can't go around people except we're, uh, except we're trying to turn COVID into the leper laws, right? If you get COVID-19, you're not allowed to go anybody. And, and most of the time, if I know if somebody's got uh, COVID, I'll text them and ask them how the leper colony is going, you know, check on them and stuff. And, and so, because uh, I think uh, uh, Jeanette's in the leper colony right now. You know, we've got some other people in the leper colony. Uh, but um, uh, so uh, in this particular case, there was a little bit of faith. Uh, so he knew that Jesus could do that. So, so he had a, a, at least some faith in that. But he didn't have uh, great faith. Jesus didn't even didn't even um, reference his faith at all there. Uh, but he did yield to him. So, you know, in situations like that, if you're the person that they're coming to, you know, you, you've got to you've got to find out what does the Lord want to do, right? Because the Lord always wants to heal. And, and you know, if the hearts if the man's heart was right, and it sounds like it was, even if he's ignorant and unaware of the actual. Uh, real will of God, the Lord's still willing to heal, right? So the Lord wasn't offended by by um, uh, by this statement here, right? He didn't get upset at him. He didn't get mad at him. Uh, now, in Mark chapter 9, the Lord does confront somebody when it says, if, you know, <clears throat> uh, and so, uh, but um, he didn't do that here in, in Matthew's uh, story here. Uh, but he did, uh, in verse 3, he did touch him, right? Uh, and um, that was a real no-no when it came to leprosy, right? Because leprosy can be transmitted by touch. Uh, it wasn't an airborne sickness. It, it was, uh, you had to touch somebody. Uh, and it was, a, uh, I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, a viral disease. 
uh, and it can be transferred by, by touch. And so, but Jesus touched him and said, I will uh, be thou cleansed. And so, <clears throat> so uh, you know, and that's really a kind of a good summary of, uh, you know, we call the Bible, we call the, uh, the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, we call the second Bible, the New Testament. And the word testament means the last will and testament, right? That's what we call it when we write down our desires for what should happen after we pass. And it's an expression of our will. And so really, when Jesus said, I will, you know, he's really summarizing the entire Old Testament, New Testament, right? This is his will. This is uh, his will and revelation to everybody in the, in the earth. And so he was trying to explain to the earth that his desire is always to heal. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, we, we still get a little bit of flack every now and then. Uh, when we say that it's God's will every single time to heal without exception, uh, there's still some resistance in that statement. Uh, but I don't know why there's because isn't that what Jesus said when the man asked him, you know, he said, if you will, you know, I don't know what your will is, but if you will. And what was what was Jesus response? His response was, I will. Right. And yet many times people will take the doctrine of the leper over the doctrine of the Lord Jesus here. Right. They'll say, well, you say, Lord, if it's your will. You'll heal him, you know. Uh, but see, again, that, that was a, a weak statement of faith. There's a little bit of faith in the acknowledgement that Jesus has the ability to heal. So there's some faith there. But there's not uh, uh, even a, a good amount of faith that says, okay, you will heal. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, uh, but, you know, the problem we have today is since we've been given this word, we're supposed to yield to the word, right? We're supposed to read the word of God. If the word of God says, I will, then our response to the question of, Lord, is it your will to heal, should be what the word says. Well, the word says, I will. So then that, that question of whether or not the Lord will heal should be removed from our vocabulary because of the presence of the word of God. Now, I will was not spoken before Matthew chapter 8, right? Uh, now, of course, you know, you can go back in the Old Testament and find plenty of scriptures that, that, uh, that tell us that it's God's will to heal. But, but right here, it's as plain as it could possibly be. So this should be the foundation of, of, our, of our faith is God's will is to heal. Uh, and, and if we try to get around that today, you know, we don't have as much mercy as the leper had because he was unaware of that statement until it was made. But now the statement has been made and recorded for us in the word of God. So really, we're kind of without excuse, right? Now, to the lost, they, they have all the excuse in the world not to know the word of God. But the church, we have no excuse, right? I mean, how long has this uh, verse been available to us, right? I mean, it was written in the first century A.D., right? Less than 100, 100 years after the birth of Lord Jesus, this was recorded for our benefit. So we've had a, this available to us for, for 2,000 years, and some people still haven't got the memo, right? Uh, and so if you haven't got the memo yet, you know, I don't know, uh, might be a little slow there, right? Uh, and so, uh, so the, you know, there's always the two parts of, of uh, the Lord working in our lives. One is, can he do it? And two, will he do it? Uh, and so uh, the world doesn't know if he can or if he's willing. Uh, some people in the church know he can, but not sure if he's willing. And then people of, of faith know that he can and he is willing, right? So we've got to get all the way to the, to the top level there of faith and live that way, right? Uh, and we should, we should be able to... Uh, emphatically say, yes, it's God's will to heal me. Uh, if, if someone says, you think God would heal me? Oh, absolutely, right? Uh, there should be no question about that. Uh, amen. Uh, uh, his desire is always to heal. Uh, and so, uh, and then uh, with, uh, she takes a couple of side journeys there, or Matthew chapter 15. Um, and, and I like this, I like this statement here. Um, this is with, with the uh, uh, Syrophoenician woman. Uh, and he said, she just mentions this part that Jesus mentioned to her uh, in verse 26. But he answered and said, It is not meat or not good to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. So what did Jesus call healing in this verse? Called it the children's bread, right? So uh, what's our position in relation to the Lord? Well, children of God, right? Are we children of God? So if we're children of God uh, and he calls healing bread for the children, then isn't healing bread for us today? Uh, isn't it uh, something that, that we need to sustain ourselves? Uh, well, has anything changed? Are we no longer the children of God? Does the Lord no longer want to feed his children? 
Has something changed in our relationship with him that that, uh, yeah, uh, we're still his children, but you don't get an inheritance anymore? Uh, had we done something wrong to lose our inheritance? You know, no, none of those things are true. And so if healing was the children's bread, now this is the children of Israel, right? Well, aren't we actually more children of God than the children of Israel, right? Because they were only children by birth. We're children by spirit. Uh, <clears throat> and Paul talks a lot about that in his writings about how really, in one sense of the word, we're more uh, children of God than the children of, of, of uh, Israel because uh, <clears throat> Because we have the, the, the promise was to the spiritual side of Abraham, not just his natural descendants. Uh, and so, so uh, healing uh, is the children's bread, right? Uh, and then she bump, uh, bounces back to uh, Matthew chapter 6. And again, uh, you know, all of these are good scriptures and all of these have been around with us for a long time, right? Uh, and here, uh, uh, and this, this one uh, is a good generic verse to use to kind of sneak around uh, the topic of healing, right? Because sometimes if you try to ever bring up the topic of healing uh, with Lord's healing with some Christians, they get real, uh, they get real um, uh, hesitant about it, right? And sometimes kind of hostile about it too, right? Because they, they don't believe in healing and they, they have set their foot down. They don't believe in healing. Uh, and so sometimes you can't bring up that topic. Uh, and, and you can say, well, what about the Lord's prayer? Let's talk about, the, you know, let's forget about healing for a minute. Let's talk about the Lord's prayer. And everybody loves the Lord's Prayer, right? Uh, we were required by law to, uh, to say it over the intercom in high school, right? Nowadays, if you do that, they just tase you. But back in high school, when I was in high school, they would say the Lord's Prayer over the intercom, right? And, uh, and so uh, in one of, this, uh, one of the uh, statements in the, in the Lord's Prayer, of course, not technically the Lord's Prayer. It's the, really the disciples' prayers. It's the prayer that they asked him to read. And... You know, you got to be careful of, of taking every single thing in the Lord's Prayer and applying it to us as Christians today because, you know, things have changed, right? We have, we have the, uh, the cross now that's available to us, right? Uh, because, like it says, for example, in verse 12, for, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Well, our forgiveness is not, uh, at that point in time, their forgiveness w- was, uh, was only available if they forgave somebody else. Uh, and so now our forgiveness is not based upon our works. It's based upon the works of Jesus, right? He, he died and shed his blood for us, so he paid for our forgiveness. So now we receive forgiveness. And in this case, you know, in one sense, they had to earn it by sowing and reaping of, of forgiveness before they could do that. So that's changed slightly, you know, for us in, in the New Testament. We thank God that we've got it better than they had it even here in this prayer. But some of these things are still true, like give us, our day, give us this day our daily bread, uh, do we still need to pray for our provisions every day? Sure. He didn't say, oh, I made all the bread for you you're ever going to need at the cross, and so just come to the cross and get you a loaf of bread. No, there's no bread at the cross, right? It's empty. And so, uh, so we still need bread available to us each and every day. Uh, but he says in verse 10, thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And, and so, you know, most time people just read over that and don't really know what it's, they don't really think about what it's saying, but what it's saying is it's expressing God's will. And his desire, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So uh, what is Jesus saying? I want in earth the way that it is in heaven. I want you to live in earth the way that you can live in heaven. And, and of course, everybody knows heaven, right? I mean, it doesn't take a, any, even a, a, a Christian. It, most lost people know that heaven is a good place. Uh, and so uh, he's saying, I want this place that you live in this, in this natural world to be just like it is in heaven, right? Uh, thy, thy, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So I want my will to be expressed and to be completed in the earth just like my will is expressed and completed it as it is in heaven. Yes. And so uh, that's, I mean, that's pretty easy to understand that statement, but then uh, you can start applying it to every area of your life. Well, okay, well, what about, you know, for example, sickness and disease? Uh, let's forget about what the Lord does here on this earth, but what is God's will as far as it's related to sickness and disease in heaven? How much sickness and disease is in heaven? And of course, the answer is obviously none, right? I mean, everybody knows that, you know, even you don't know anything, you know that. Uh, and so uh, what about uh, poverty and lack? Uh, what about, uh, you know, uh, uh, anything else, right? Uh, destruction and death and disease and, and calamity and, I mean, everything, right? Is there, is there any desire for that to happen in heaven there's no desire for any of that to happen in hell thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven 
So uh, what he's saying is, this is my will. My will is for you to live in the earth just like you will live in heaven, free from sickness and disease, free from poverty and lack. Uh, and, and so that's my desire. Well, that's pretty easy to explain, right? And yet uh, your average Christian is just, you know, they will, they will uh, just strain with, with great uh, uh, amounts of energy to figure out how that's not so. But it is so. And it's the simplest thing in the world, right? The, a, a verse like this, just one simple verse, is really all you ever need to know is whether or not it's God's will to heal. And yet some, uh, sometimes people will say, well, sometimes God wants you to be sick, right? Uh, even in a Pentecostal world, sometimes God wants you to be sick. Sometimes God's trying to teach you something. So uh, if that's true, which of course is not true, it's absurd, but if it's true, then when we get to heaven, there's got to be some leprosy or some cancer or some, you know, blood disease. There's probably, you know, I mean, if we're 50 years from going to heaven, it'll be, you know, COVID-69, right? When we get to heaven by then, you know, and so we're COVID-69 in heaven uh, and God's going to put that on you in heaven to teach you something. You know, we're going to have a remedial COVID class. We're going to make you uh, accept COVID and get disease in heaven. Uh, and of course, they would look at you like you're being foolish. Well, uh, you know, that is foolish, but it's not more foolish than foolishness of doubt and unbelief, right? I think foolishness of doubt and unbelief will kill you, right? Foolishness of being joking around, uh, just people just don't think you're very bright, right? Uh, even though I think it's fine, but um, so what's God's will on the earth? Exactly what it is in heaven, right? Uh, and so uh, again, is that really that hard to understand? Uh, and, but, but that's a good way to sneak up on people, you know, with the doctrine of healing, yeah. Uh, because, you know, they, they, won't, they don't want to talk about by his stripes you were healed, right? Uh, well, okay, well, let's talk about the Lord's Prayer. Oh, I love the Lord's Prayer, right? Everybody by law, you know, knows the Lord's Prayer, right? Uh, and so, uh, but that, that one's a pretty good, right? Uh, and so we, we like that one, right? Uh, and then she jumps over to 3 John chapter 1. Uh, we know this verse in verse 2. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that I mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Uh, and so... Uh, what's, what's he desire? That we prosper and be in health, right? Uh, even as thy soul prosper. So, so they say, well, you know, there's only spiritual things, but he already covered that kind of in the soulless part, right? Which is not really spiritual, but, you know, most people don't even know that part. Uh, but this is, this is really every area of your life, right? Uh, is that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Uh, and so, of course, a, a key to that is your soul needs to prosper, right? And that's really the word soul there. So it's talking about your mind, your will, and your emotions. Uh, and uh, the, the biggest part of that is getting your thinking right. If your thinking is prosperous, and I don't mean just from a financial standpoint, I mean just prosperous that the Lord desires to bless me. That's, that's prosperous thinking, right? As your soul prospers. Uh, if you think prosperous thoughts, see, then that, that'll bleed over into having prosperous health and having prosperous finances. Uh, but if, if you got, you know, poverty mentality, right? Oh, the Lord can never do anything for me. The Lord doesn't, doesn't even love me. The Lord doesn't even know I exist. The Lord never helps me. The Lord never heals me. The see, that's poverty mentality. Then when you get sick, will the Lord ever heal me there? If you get broke or lose your job, will the Lord, you know, I, I guess I'm my own now. You know, I've always been on my own. Uh, I guess I'll just, you know, I know how to, uh, I know how to live my own. You know, I'll take care of myself. Uh, see, all that's poverty mentality, right? And a big portion of the, uh, the problems in the church are due to poverty mentality. And, and I don't just limit that to financial poverty mentality. I just, you know, when you talk to people about what they think that God thinks about them, you know, they think that we're a nuisance, that God doesn't really love us. He's annoyed at us. He's aggravated with us. And, you know, he just, uh, just kind of pushes us aside. Well, I'm done with you all. And, uh, and that's a, a lot of the church thinks that way, that God is upset at them. God is not happy with them. And God is... Uh, has got a strange relation with them. And so have you ever heard of this thing called the cross? You know, that, uh, that uh, the Bible says that we've been reconciled to God, right? And the word reconciled means restored fully to favor. Uh, uh, I mean, there's that little thing, right? Uh, only the most important event in all of humanity was the cross, right? Uh, and so uh, uh, there's only that little thing that we've got to deal with. Uh, but a lot of times people in their minds they can't think prosperous thoughts that God loves them, right? It's like we were talking this morning about how some people say, will say that, well, God puts burdens on you, but he helps you to carry them. 
Well, that's just dumb thinking. That's, that's poverty mentality. God's not putting burdens on you so then he can then help you carry them. That doesn't make any sense, right? Why is he burdening you with things that you can't carry, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, there are plenty of things that we, we strain in our natural abilities to, to deal with, but we're not carrying them. We shouldn't be carrying them. We're supposed to, in fact, what do you say in First Peter chapter 5? Cast what? All of our care. So how many of our cares? All of our cares, right? So if we cast all of our cares, how much are you carrying? None. None. Now, that's the life of the Christian. You're so, the only burdens you're supposed to be carrying are the responsibilities that the Lord has given to you for your life, right? Uh, you're called to preach, or you're called to pray, or you're called to do this or that. That's your burden, right? It's not heavy. He said it wasn't heavy, but it is still a burden, right? It's a responsibility. But most people think their burdens from the Lord are, you know, uh, this is not my lot in life. I'm just always sickly, right? I just, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a health, healthy person. It's just my lot in life to bear, you know. I've, I've got, you know, bad joints. It's just my lot in life to bear, you know, and uh, I can't lose weight. That's my lot in life to bear, right? Or just, you know, it made me fat. And I can't you know, do nothing about it, you know, and, and whatever it is, right? But that's just my lot in life to bear, and, and, and that's this poverty mentality. That's, that's thinking below the means that the Lord has established for us, right? Uh, and... and uh, but these things, people get so, they'll get so angry when you talk to them about faith. But if you talk about, about you know, poverty mentality, they'll just, oh, yeah, they'll light up. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we got it all. I got it terrible. Yeah, I, got, I got it twice as bad as you got it. But if you say, you know, God doesn't want you to live that way. You know, he wants you to be prosperous and happy. Oh, you're one of them prosperity preachers, you know. And I'm thinking, well, you're not. You know, how could you not be, right? I mean, he literally walks on streets of gold. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, we've all heard stories of the stingy millionaire, right? A, a poor child comes up and asks for a nickel and the, and the stingy millionaire pushes him down, you know, said, I'm not going to give you a nickel. You know, you're, you're a, a poor orphan. I'm not going to help you. I mean, that would be in all the newspapers, right? Uh, uh, and, and yet people act like that's the way the Lord is every day. He walks on streets of gold, but he ain't sharing he got no sickness in heaven, but he ain't giving us any of that health. You know, we got to make it all our own down here, right? That's stingy, right? Is the Lord stingy? I mean, he literally gave his most important, uh, valuable asset in all of creation. Uh, and I know Jesus wasn't created, but in, in all of, of uh, the heavens is his own son. Why, why would he with, I mean, he, he gave you, you know, the, the biggest thing he could ever give you, but he's not going to give you a nickel. That didn't make any sense, right? Yeah, uh, 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 you know, someone comes in the door and, and, and you say, well, tell you what, I'll pay for your college education. I'll pay off your house. I'll buy your car. You know, uh, uh, I'll, I'll um, you know, pay somebody to mow your yard the rest of your life. And, you say, and, and, and the person says, well, all that's great. He said, but man, I'm hungry. I just need a cheeseburger. Get out of here. I ain't giving you no cheeseburger. You know, I'll pay for your, all this other stuff, but I ain't giving you. That'd be, wouldn't that be dumb? Uh, but that's the way people act like every day. You know, God's promises, you know, all this stuff. But, you know, he won't help us with one little thing. Right. Uh, that that uh, even as thy soul prospereth. And, and, you know, if you want to be a person of, of great faith, start with your thinking. Start with what you think about the Lord. Start with what you think about the Lord thinks about you. Uh, and it, and if you get that part, you know, that's half that's half the battle for most Christians right there is thinking the correct thoughts of how the Lord thinks about them. Uh, and, and what they think about that. So uh, God desires our spiritual well-being just as much as he desires our bodily well-being, right? Uh, and he, he desires our spiritual well-being just as much as he desires our financial well-being, right? Uh, the Lord's not picking and choosing. It's not like he's limited. Well, I've only got so much, so I can only help you this over, over here, but I can't help you over there. You know, I'm not made out of money, you know, and, uh, I mean, but he literally is. I mean, he made money, right? He walks on the streets of gold, so... There's no limit to the Lord, but uh, he, he desires us to be well in every area of our lives. Yes. Uh, and if you think about it, you know, it, it's for good reason, because the only way we can complete the Great Commission is if we're capable of completing the Great Commission. If we're too sick to do it, it's not going to get done. If we're too poor to do it, it's not going to get done. Because he said, go to where? All the world, right? Because if he just said, stay at home on your keyboard uh, and preach the gospel on Facebook, then, then that's fine. We could all do that and, and never leave our house, right? And a lot of people think that's, that's what they're called to do, right? Uh, and usually they probably need to find another profession, right? But um, that's another whole discussion, I know. Uh, but he desires all of these things, amen? Uh, and so we can go back then to Matthew chapter 8 then. So that was a leper there. Uh, and then 
he came into Capernaum in verse 5, and he came unto him a centurion, beseeched him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And notice, you know, uh, this is uh, different stories because sometimes they came to Jesus and asked him to come to them. And sometimes he would do that, right? Jairus did that, and, and Jesus said, I'll come with you. Uh, sometimes they come to him like the, like the nobleman with a son and said, come down, my child is sick. And Jesus said, I'm not going with you. Uh, and this time the man didn't even ask him. Jesus said, I'll go with you. Um, and so that tells you one thing. There's no law, right? There's no rules about how you do every circumstance. You've got to, in the moment, find out what the Spirit of God wants you to do. So what do you think Jesus saw in this man um, when he came to him? We saw faith in, in this man's heart, right? Uh, and so he said, I'll come and, and heal him. Uh, and, and the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Now, of course, uh, Jesus said, I have not found so much, uh, uh, so much faith uh, in all of Israel. Right? I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel, right? Because a man not only said those words that I'm unworthy, uh, but he explained why. I mean, he explained why he, he still believed that, God, that Jesus would heal him. So in verse 9, he says, this is what I know about you. This is what I understand and how faith works. He said, I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he do, doeth it. So he said, speak the word only. And here's why I know this works, because I don't, I don't know the history of the, the Jewish religion. He said, but I do know how authority works. And I have observed you uh, to some, uh, clearly the man has observed Jesus and how he operates and seen because how many times have people said, who is this man of, with authority? He preaches with authority, but he also ministers with authority. And he said, who, who is this man with authority? And, and the centurion uh, had seen that or heard of that to some extent and said, I understand how that works. G- clearly, Jesus is the biggest dog in the pack. And when he shows up, Everybody else yields to him. Uh, and, and so all I need him to do is just operate in his authority because he understands uh, that he's a man uh, both under authority and with authority. So he knows if he gets a command from, from Caesar, for example, right? He's in, this Roman, he's in the Roman army. If he gets a command that comes down from Caesar, even if he doesn't see Caesar, if the word comes down, Caesar said, then, then it's done. It's as good as done. He understands that. And see, uh, the man's got more revelation, not even being a, a, a uh, member of the Jewish nation, more understanding of how spiritual things work than even much of the church today, right? Much of the church today is like, oh, you know, well, I, 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 I prayed and it didn't work. But you're, if, if you're a man of authority, it will work. Uh, and so, uh, and when we speak the word, because uh, that's what the man said, just speak the word. That's that's it. That's all you got to do, because the word carries with it the the power and the authority to accomplish the thing that it's going out to do. Uh, And so this man knew that. Well, you know, if we could get the same because Jesus called this great faith. Well, what was the faith based upon? It was based upon the understanding of how authority works. Uh, And if the church could get that same understanding of this is how it works. That Jesus is authority. The devil has no authority right now. In fact, uh, you know, prior to the Lord Jesus, he had some authority to operate in the earth. Not full authority because he didn't own the earth, but he did have authority in the earth to operate. Uh, and so, uh, but after the cross, after Jesus died and went to hell for three days, he, he recovered the authority, right? Remember, he's got the keys of death, hell, and the grave, right? So the keys represent authority. So now the devil operates with no authority in the earth today. Uh, and... Uh, we are the only ones who have authority, legal authority in the earth. Now, uh, in today's society, do criminals still exist? Well, they still exist, right? And, and why, do they, they, why do they exist? Because they're criminals, right? Uh, uh, does anybody have greater authority than the criminals do? Well, sure they do, right? All the police do, all the FBI does. Really, you do to, to an extent. If they come into your house, you can shoot them all, right? And, and nobody's going to say anything to you about that. Now, if they just come into your house selling cookies and you shoot them, you know, that's probably excessive, right? Uh, but, you know, if they come to bring harm to your, to your life, you've got a, a legal right to defend yourself. And nobody's going to take you to court, sue you or, or fine you, you know, unless you're in certain crazy uh, locations. But uh, because you have authority there. Uh, and so uh, uh, this man understood that. This man understood how authority works, that once the, once the word is spoken, it has to happen. 
There's no options. Uh, and, and much of the church doesn't even understand that. They think that, well, I'm going to try it and see. And if it doesn't work, well, then, you know. Uh, but, you know, like I said, uh, in today's society, there are criminals. They will operate until someone with greater authority puts an end to it. Uh, and they will get away with as much as they can until somebody with greater authority says that's enough. Uh, and, uh, and that's the same exact way in the realm of the spirit that the devil operates today. He will come and push you as far as he can, physically and mentally and emotionally and, and financially, any, as far as he can until you with the greater authority put your foot down and says enough's enough. Uh, and, and I'm not having the sickness and disease anymore. I, I have greater authority because of the name of Jesus than the sickness, I have greater authority because of the name of Jesus than this poverty. I'm got greater authority uh, because of the name of Jesus than this mental anguish. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, you've already got greater authority. And this man understood that. This he it was to him as the easiest thing, obvious. You know this. Well, this is really obvious. He's just, he's just watching. Goes, oh yeah, yeah. I, I see how that works. Who's ever in most authority, that that's who wins, right? And as a Roman soldier, <clears throat> he knew he could just walk into any situation, circumstance. He was the, he was the man. Right. Uh, it didn't matter what country he was in. If the Roman uh, government owned that country and had, had invaded that country, they were the authority and they had no problem with that. Uh, we in the church many times will cower down and, you know, well, I tried. It didn't work, you know, and that sort of thing. And uh, and, and you know, uh, they uh, every now and then you get these crazy people who don't know anything and they want to do an experiment. Right. So I don't know if you've followed any stuff like in California where they have said, well, you know, uh, if it's uh, $950 or less, we're not going to arrest you for stealing, right? <laughs> so what did they just say? Everybody has authority to steal up to $950. But do you think these criminals are going to stop at $950? No, now they've got these like packs of cars. They'll just go into some like a, like a high-end store and just clean them out. Because, you know, they figure they can get away with $950. They can get away with $950,000. And, and, you know, uh, these people act like, like authority has, has stopped existing, right? The, like, like the whole concept of authority that, well, we just, we just all nice people. Everybody's nice people. But there's evil people in the world. There will always be evil people in the world. And, and you have to recognize that. That's the whole point of having uh, a police uh, presence because there are evil people in the world. There's, there, there's no need for the police at all if, every people, if everybody was good. Uh, and everybody was good, there would be no need to exercise any kind of a, uh, authority from a law uh, and sometimes, you know, uh, we in the church forget that we have authority and that uh, if we don't exercise authority, the devil will. He will exercise whatever authority you let him have. Right. Remember in Ephesians 4:27, it says neither give place to the devil. And the word place means license or authority. Right. Uh, so when you give place to the devil, you give him license or authority for the devil to operate in your life legally. Right. Uh, now, of course, because you gave it to him, you can take it back anytime you want to. Uh, and so uh, you can rescind that license and you should. Uh, but uh, the, the, the amount of revelation that, that this simple man had, the simple centurion had, Jesus called that great faith. And, and it was just because he understood how things worked. Uh, and if you can understand how things work and, and just be as matter of fact, oh, yeah, if I got the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. There is no sickness and disease that can withstand the presence of the name of Jesus. Uh, and, and Jesus would call that great faith, right? Uh, and so the man said, speak the word only. Uh, and, and so uh, now the, the Jesus didn't say anything about the fact that he said, I'm not worthy for this, you know, uh, because that was just his opinion. You know, uh, it was really a humble statement. It wasn't that he uh, was unworthy to receive healing. He just felt, un remember when uh, Jesus first appeared to Peter, right? When Peter was on a boat, uh, and, he, and he did that. Peter said, you know, uh, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a, I'm a sinful man. Yeah, because Peter felt unworthy in the presence of the Lord. And he still, he still accepted the blessing that the Lord gave to him, all the fish. Uh, but um, uh, this man would accept the blessing of, of this uh, healing for his servant. Uh, and, and, you know, this has got to be a pretty good fellow because he was asking for this, not for his son or his daughter, but it was, it was for his servant, right? Uh, and so... Uh, so he he got what he what he desired and uh, the Lord said that he had great faith and his faith was a, was based upon his understanding of how authority worked. Uh, and then we come down to uh, verse 14. It says, and when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever and he touched her hand 
and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. Uh, and so uh, here again, uh, this uh, situation where uh, Jesus did this as a sovereign act of, of the Lord, right? Nobody, nobody asked him to do this. Uh, he saw a need here, uh, and he had the unction to operate and to, and to, uh, to move in this circumstance. And, you know, part of it was because uh, Peter uh, worked for him in the ministry, right? And so he had some level of authority uh, in Peter's life. Uh, and so uh, he, uh, uh, he went over there and touched her. Uh, and I think in one translation, one, one, uh, I think in Luke's uh, version of the story, it says he rebuked the fever. Uh, and, um, uh, and she arose immediately, right? The fever left her. Uh, and so uh, this case, uh, the woman here, she didn't ask for anything. Uh, and so there was no faith uh, in, in, um, in evidence here of her faith. Uh, but that's not always necessary, right? Uh, in the case where the uh, gifts of healings are in manifestation, uh, the, the person's faith on the receiving end isn't always necessary at all, right? Uh, and so uh, this is a, g- a good example, I think, of showing the sovereignty of God's desire for us, that he desires us to be well, amen? Uh, and then, of course, uh, we get down to finally verse 16 here. It says, when evening was come, they brought unto him Many that were possessed of the devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed how many? All that were sick, right? Uh, and so, so he's kind of progressing here. He started with a leper who, you know, who really kind of had halfway faith. Uh, he went to the centurion who had great faith. He went to Peter's mother who had really no faith. You know, there's no faith in evidence here. Now, she might have had faith, but because of the fever, she was unable to express her faith. Uh, and then he healed all that were sick. Uh, showing his, his great desire to heal everybody, right? So there was nobody that was left out there. Uh, and then it comes down and says why he did all of these things in chapter 8. Uh, it says in verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. Uh, and so I've got a note in my, in my um, Bible here where it says that it might be fulfilled. It says that it might uh, that it, uh, make it come true, might make come true, uh, this statement that he uh, took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, in all of these cases, uh, what realm were these sicknesses uh, part of? They were in the natural world, right? So they were the, the leprosy, right? There was a sick servant. There was a fever. And then, of course, all the uh, um, uh, all that were sick there. We don't know what the sicknesses were there in verse 16. Uh, but they're all in their physical bodies, right? Uh, and so... But a lot of times people will say, well, these are talking about spiritual things. But what's the evidence of the chapter there? All the examples we looked at were all natural things, right? All physical sicknesses. So to say that when he came to take our sicknesses and our infirmities, those were only spiritual sickness and infirmities. That didn't make it. That doesn't line up with what the evidence tells us, right? The evidence tells us that these were just plain, ordinary, natural things, right? Later on, he went to the cross for our spiritual problems. But the cross was there to, for the spiritual problems, but the healing was there for our natural problems. Uh, and, of course, some people will stretch it and, and try to do away with all of it and say, well, he was just showing us that eventually he's going to take care of our spiritual problems. And so once he did that, then there's no need to take care of our physical problems. It's like, that didn't make, that's just dumb. That didn't make any sense, right? Why would, he, why would he take care of our spiritual problems and leave us hanging with our natural problems, right? Uh, that, that's, I mean... Uh, didn't he create us in the natural world? Don't we reside in this natural world that he created, right? I mean, if he created this natural body, which he did, he created our, our souls, which he did. He created our spirits, which he did. Why would he only deal with one part of us and just say, you know, the rest of you just, just hang on the best you can. You know, hope you make it. Uh, uh, see you in heaven sometime, right? Um, no, he came to fully redeem us, right? Yeah. Spirit, soul, and body. He didn't halfway redeem us. Uh, and so... Uh, so that, and that's really all the evidence there of, uh, of chapter eight. Right. Uh, and, uh, and that's a really a good chapter, uh, uh, a summary of, of, uh, a collection of healings there that you can learn from my favorite, you know, really is the centurion only because, uh, to have great faith, all you really need to have is understanding how things work. Cause if you understand how it works, you go, Oh, easiest thing in the world, how it works. Right. Easy. You, you ever had somebody come fix something? Uh, and, it's, and to you, it's the most complicated thing in the world. And they go over there and just, you know, turn a screw and, it, and it, they fix it uh, and they charge you a hundred bucks for it. And you say, well, you just turned a screw. You say, yeah, but I knew which screw to turn, right? Yeah. 
So they see they got the understanding, right? They got the understanding about how that works. And, and, and to your, in your mind, it's impossible. But in their mind, they go look at it and go, oh, yeah, it's just, it's just a screw right there. I mean, it's, it should be that's obvious. Yeah, well, obvious, it's a screw. It's like, oh, yeah, it's obvious, you know. Mm-hmm. To you, it is, right? Uh, and, and see, to the centurion, it was obvious to him. This is how things work. Oh, yeah. Authority? Yeah. Who's ever in charge? Yeah, they, they, get, they get to call the shots. And, and obviously, you know, from his observation, Jesus was in charge. So, yeah. So, Jesus, speak the word. You know, that's fine. And you don't have to be here. That's the thing. The, the centurion, you don't have to be here. Just speak the word. I get words all the, day, all the time from Caesar in Rome. He spoke the word. It's done. You speak the word. It'll go out into the realm of the Spirit. Somehow find my servant, and it'll be done. And Jesus said, that's great. I, he said, I haven't seen that in all of Israel. I mean, can you imagine that statement? Uh, that's an amazing statement right there, right? So, uh, so I, I, I really like that particular story. So uh, you guys want to answer some questions? <clears throat> so uh, that's the end of the chapter there. And actually, it's the end of the chapter and end of that first book uh, of... Uh, uh, Dr. Yeoman's there, and we'll pick up her next book uh, next uh, next week there. Um, uh, but there's only, and there's only six questions here. So, uh, what is the order and method of things Jesus used in his ministry? Uh, what's the order? What's the first one? Teaching. Teaching, and the second one? Preaching. Preaching, and the last one? Healing, Healing right? Uh, and so, uh, he said... Uh, According to John six sixty three, the word is what? Spirit and what? Spirit and life, right? So it's not dead printed words on paper. It's spirit and life, right? Uh, and then uh, teaching the word does what to man? Reveals God. And I thought that was a good statement that teaching the word reveals God to man. And that's part of why we need to be taught the word of God, right? Because it reveals who God is, right? Just like... Uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can teach that and, re- and, and expose and reveal God to humanity that God's will is to express himself on the earth just, a, just as he is expressed in heaven. Uh, and uh, question number four says, when Jesus asked the man at the pool of Bethesda if he wanted to be made whole, what percent whole was Jesus talking about? 100%, 100% right? That's kind of a Captain Obvious statement, right? But... Uh, but I've got my notes at 100%. Anything less is not actually whole, right? Uh, and so, you know, uh, uh, will thou be made whole? And uh, I said, yeah, okay, well, I'm just going to heal you halfway. Well, that's not really whole, right? You know, that's not the bargain. That's not the deal you made, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, you know, and I, I like to say that a lot too, just God is a 100% kind of God. He's not a 98% kind of God, right? Well, you know, I, I was completely, you know, uh, 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 unable to walk. But now I can walk on one leg, right? Uh, God healed me, healed my one leg. He told me he's not going to heal the other leg. Well, why would he heal you one leg? Now, now, now we'd have to call you Peg, right? Uh, and so, uh, so he said, uh, question number five says, Jesus calls healing what? The children's, the children's bread, right? That should make you feel good just reading that all day long, right? And then according to, to Third John uh, chapter 1, verse 2, God desires our what? Just as much as he desires our spiritual well-being our bodily healing just as much as he desires our spiritual well-being, right? So I desire that you be, that you, pro, that you, uh, 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 that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So he puts them on the same level there, right? Uh, that you're uh, spiritually prosperous and physically prosperous and financially prosperous. Uh, and that'll make a few devils mad right there, but, you know, we're not trying to make anybody mad at all. You know, I got no desire to make people mad. Uh, but, um, but people will get upset at, at statements like that. And yet I didn't write the word of God. It's, it's plain, uh, plain and written. Uh, and, and what will happen is people will expend great amounts of energy to explain why that simple statement is not so. It's like, well, if you would spend as much energy in believing that statement as you, as you do in explaining away the statement, you would be a much better off person, right? Uh, spend as much energy in understanding how things operate, like the man, uh, the centurion. See, he expended a lot of energy in thinking about it. You know, he, you know, he had to be watching Jesus and going, "Yeah, I see how that works. Yeah, he, he's speaking and things are happening, and uh, he's the big dog, right? And so uh, he, uh, he's the one carrying the authority." Uh, so he spent a lot of time meditating on that, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if people would spend their time meditating on how the scriptures are so, instead of why they're not so, they'd be a lot better off, right? And so we'll pick up, uh, so next week she, she goes into the next book there. You know, remember the book itself 
the big book is, is actually four uh, smaller books uh, combined for, for our benefit there. And so we'll pick that up uh, uh, next week. But uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you that, that you've granted unto us uh, uh, great words that you put down on paper so that our faith can increase. And, Father, if we can find a promise uh, and a word that you've spoken to us, then we can believe it, Father, and that we can receive the promise that you've given to us. And so one of the words you said just today, Father, that you took our sickness and bear our diseases. Uh, and so, Father, that's a promise for us today. And if we believe that, Father, then you will still continue to take our sickness and uh, uh, bear our infirmities. And so, Father, we thank you for that. A word spoken, Father, can have faith applied to it. And so, Father, we choose to believe your word as it is written, as you delivered it to us. And we thank you for that, Father, and we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good. Is he going to heal us? He is going to heal us. Amen. And really, uh, technically, uh, he's actually already healed us, right? Because what bought our healing? His stripes, right? So uh, if it's bought and paid for, then it's ours. So we're just waiting for it to be delivered. Amen. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive uh, offering for today. And uh, we're getting uh, close to the end of the year, right? So, you know, remember, we started healing school in uh, 2015. So we will have finished our sixth year, right, uh, of healing school. Uh, and so uh, that's uh, I don't see any inside. Do you guys see any inside? You know, so we can be doing this for a long time. Amen. Well, come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And really, you know, I mean, once we all get fully healed in here, then we can just take all this knowledge and we start getting other people healed, right? That's, that's always the, the, the blessing of that because it seems to me from the Word of God that that was always a great uh, evangelistic tool. Uh, healing is always a great evangelistic tool, right? Well, let me pray for you, right? Um, and so, uh, and of course, all of you all know plenty enough to already about healing scriptures by now uh, to be able to do that, no doubt, right? Uh, and so... Praise God. Well, uh, any, anybody got any testimonies they want to to, uh, to tell us before we go? Just about the Lord and His goodness. And uh, yes, ma'am. Arm still healed, right? And no, and no kidney stones. Praise God. We like arms healed and no kidney stones, right? Um, and so pain hadn't come back, and whatever. And we don't even know what that pain was, right? Uh, and we don't even care, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's right. Some food. Yeah. Wow. Well, the Lord uh, loves everything about us, doesn't He? Amen. All right. Pray. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, the devil is an, yeah, he's annoying. You know, he's, you got to be persistent with him, uh, but he will leave, right? He has to leave. Uh, and so praise God. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it breaks my heart to see people that are sickly. You know, I mean, I know people deal with things on occasion, but some people who just, they're never well, right? Every day, there's something, right? They don't feel good, the aches and pains, you know, they just feel terrible every day, right? And they'll do that for decades, you know, sometimes all of their life. Uh, and you think, you know, well, you could be free from all of that, you know? Uh, and uh, I thank the Lord that for his rich 
uh, deposits of faith that he's provided for us in the word. That there, We've been mining this for every week for six years, right? Uh, going on seven years. Uh, and, um, and there's no end in sight, right? We could do this till the Lord Jesus comes back and never run out of uh, faith to, to, uh, to learn about. Amen. Uh, and so I look forward to it. And, you know, really overall, you know, this year, uh, I believe we've seen a, a great increase in the number of healings overall for people in the church and, and healing school. Uh, and I just expect to see that increase, you know, each and every year. Amen. Uh, I believe it's getting time for the Lord to start increasing that more and more. And I believe even this year we've seen a great increase uh, in that. Uh, and um, look forward to see what the Lord's going to do next year. Amen. I know the Lord isn't operating in years or anything like that, but um, um, it's always an increase. Amen. Uh, and so uh, we be blessed and have a good week. We'll see you next Sunday.